0: You listen to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Shank, we're probably going to have to bring back meeting shrapnel soon
1: you think so
0: uh, well we may have to do a few segments on it or maybe in season five we can we can bring it back full time because i have got a long list
1: well that's what we need we need a good list
0: of new shrapnel Mm -hmm. that i have heard and i attended a few events last week and i heard just loads of it but the one that is bugging me the most that i heard I heard three, maybe four different people say it last week, is I'm just another bozo on the bus. <laughs> where does that come from?
1: Someone, please.
0: If you're out there using that, please stop saying it. I mean, I, I At least let us
1: know where it originates from. Where does, where that does, that come does it from?
0: originate? Where did it come from?
1: It's in the non-conference approved literature.
0: Yeah, Maybe the guests would know, but, uh, Hey, I understand you think that's a, like an act of humility by saying that I'm just another bozo on the bus, but, uh, it's dumber. It's, it's just dumb. Stop saying it. Please stop saying it. We got a good guest here tonight or today. What, what day It's lunchtime around here? Where we're at right now. Um, we're excited to have him on. He, he hails, Chris, where do you live? Montgomery County. He's in Montgomery County, just outside of D.C. in Maryland. Mm -hmm. So welcome, Chris. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you.
2: Yep. My sobriety day is August 16th, 2002. I have a home group, which is Monday Men's, and I have a sponsor, and uh, he knows uh, that he's my sponsor, and I talk to him a couple times a week, and um, yeah, happy to be here. Glad to be here. Excited. Finally cool. I got an invite.
0: I finally got an invite. Yeah. Well, we're glad so, to help. This is not Don't to make say anything us about your not to say about your
2: previous guests, but I mean, finally, finally, I'm here. It's good.
0: Well, some of them are questionable. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We like it that way. We're yeah. open minded.
2: That's a good thing. Yeah, you want you want the full spectrum. You want every bozo yeah. on the bus. We want every we want every
0: bozo. That's right. We want every bozo. We just we just into diversity and all that. You know, that's right. All inclusive. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh I. Grew how did you to get to AA? How did I get to AA? That's a good yeah. question. Uh, a federal indictment was how I got to AA. Um, how I got there uh, is a longer story. I know we don't have time for all that. Um, but uh, I drank for about 13 years from 17 to 29 until they literally locked me up, threw away the key. So uh, there, was no, uh, there was no shot of me just waltzing into AA at any point during my drinking. Uh, I had to have a, a series of um, severe sort of circumstances come into my life that really put the pressure on me. And, um, and the last time I was incarcerated, via this, uh, indictment, um, by way of this indictment was, uh, when I was, you know, I had a kind of a moment of clarity while I was locked up and, um, and, uh, the, these guys came in from H and I, and they were, you know, preaching the big book and Hey, Hey. And, uh, one of those guys on the way out said to me, I said, he said, I hope you're used to it here because this is going to be your life, you know, in and out of places like this. And, um, as I was drifting off to sleep that night to the smell of bleach and BO and door slamming and people screaming. I know Shank understands what I'm saying. Oh, they
1: had bleach. Wow.
2: It's some sort of cleaning, cleaning product. <laughs> don't forget the, don't forget it wasn't the feet. just
1: spit. Amazing.
2: Yeah. And as I was drifting off to sleep that night in my cell, I realized that what he had said was already true. I was already used to my circumstances and that kind of terrified me. And at the same time it terrified me, I realized he didn't have the power to do anything about it because if I had, I would have already done it. And, uh, so that's where I started becoming interested in AA. So. Hmm. Well, thanks.
0: We're glad, we're glad you made it out of there that they found the key that they threw away <laughs> and that you that you made it out. Shank, what's well, our uh, topic?
2: It's Montgomery huh? County. So, you know, everybody's getting out at some point.
0: Everybody's getting out eventually. <laughs> yep.
1: Our topic today is regret the past. So, this will probably be the last time I'll say this, but if you just started listening to this season, season four, we are going through uh, the promises on pages 83 and 84 in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. That would be the fourth edition, 2001. So we are now on the third sentence. I'm going to read back through the first two sentences. Um but we're just discussing kind of breaking down what these promises actually mean, Um, what this means in regards to our amends process. Because I do think that the amends process is kind of not looked over necessarily, but we need to complete it. We need to always be working on it. So today, our sentence is, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. A couple of sentences before that. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. So that is our topic for today. Uh, Just a little kind of cleanup to get us where we are right now. In our first episode, the first sentence, we talked about um, step nine being halfway through nine is not half of 12 so we are <laughs> you know and we also learned that it it before, there, huh? before yeah. we are halfway through so you don't even have to be halfway through your amends great uh and you will be amazed so you will be astonished stunned and shocked we love that for everyone in aa who gets to this step uh we're gonna know a new freedom and a new happiness i learned um my favorite definition of freedom is um, the quality of being frank, open, or outspoken. That's what I learned in that yeah. episode.
0: Being mean um, and direct.
1: Correct. And, um, you know, we talked about what freedom and happiness has looked like in sobriety. So um, our guest last week, you know, she described kind of what her life has looked like and that she hasn't done it perfectly, but she is free and happy. In a lot of ways in her life, but also, you know, she has a freedom and a happiness separated from alcohol, that that is not um, something that she thinks about or she doesn't have to go to it. So today we are talking about we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Jerry, what is what do you what do you think about that?
0: I'd like to to hear from our guest.
2: She went right to you.
0: She doesn't trust (laughs) me. Shank, I'm surprised with that fifth grade <laughs> education that GSO says that you have, that you were mm-hmm. able to realize that nine is not half of 12.
1: I did not realize that That's until impressive. it was pointed out to me. So, listen, AA opens up many opportunities for all of us.
2: Yep. Even indeed, me. indeed it does. <laughs> more than, more than we deserve, I'll say that. Yeah.
0: Chris, uh, what do you
2: think about the topic? I love it. I, I love the nice step in, um, I mean, it is, you know, you, don't, you don't really know how much this stuff weighs you down until it's gone. You know what I mean? Until you actually sort it out and, and clean up the wreckage of your past. I mean, you, you have no idea the kind of pressure that you cause, because I think as alcoholics, we, we can get used to anything. You know what I mean? I just shared earlier on how I got used to the circumstances of my life in that place. And, uh, Which nobody should be used to, so the kind of regret and 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 resentment and anger and and guilt that I can subsist on over a period of time is is tremendous, you know. So it's it's hard to really imagine um, a life without that, you know, and what that could look like and what potential that could open up in you and in the relationships around you is. you know, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, I'll plug the ninth step in general. I mean, I think that before I get onto the specific promise, I just think that had it not been for this, I could not have really seen a way forward, you know, to mm-hmm. really engaging in other people's lives in a meaningful, useful way, right? Because of my own sort of selfishness and self-centeredness, it's just, it's just blinding before you, really get into eight and nine. And I think it's, I think it's, and you know, Jerry, I'm not a big book or 12 and 12 thumper. So you correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think in the A step in the 12 and 12, it does say since defective relationships seem to be the cause of all of our woes, including our alcoholism, uh, no steps like eight, and nine yield more results, you know? And I think that that is a tremendous statement, right? Because what that's saying is If you're new, you you might think you're an AA because you have a drinking problem, but you're not, (laughs) you know, drinking's the solution, right? And the problem that I have is I cannot exist in the world around me sober and free, you know, I don't know how to connect with people. And it's just like the bedevilments, the bedevilments are sort of the opposite of the promises, you know, all of those things are on me and I have no idea how to live, live any way other than those So until I get to eight and nine, so I, I, I'm, I'll plug eight and I'll plug eight and nine all day long. And in regards to the specific promise, it, it, there, there, there are a few things that I regret.
1: So that's one of my questions is getting to the point of, okay, you're amazed before you're halfway through fine. But how does making amends, uh, half of them, more than half of them, less than all of them, allow you to just not regret your past? Because I know for me, I regret almost killing two people. I'm sure that they're not too thrilled right. about it either. Still today,
2: yeah, 100. I mean, I think that I think there's there's obviously there's obviously different levels of regret, right? And and there are different levels of freedom from that, right? So I think that. I think that engaging in eight and nine, even over this one issue that I still sort of regret, it has still allowed me a degree of freedom from that sort of guilt and that shame that's allowed me to live my life to purpose, right? To good purpose and to be useful to other alcoholics. So Mm -hmm. so do I still regret it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, not being there for my father when he was dying of cancer, and not being there the moment he took his last breath, I will always regret that. I will. Have I made it right as best I, as that I could? Have I, I did an amends, I did a direct amends, did a grave, grave site amends. I'm a good father to my kids, to my son. You know what I mean? Like he would be proud of the man that I have become an Alcoholics Anonymous. But can I say I don't regret that? No, I mean, I would give anything to have a few moments of his time. You know what I mean? I would. You know, I don't think that that means that that I wish to shut the door on it because I'll tell anyone about it. You know what I mean? And maybe it's what keeps me seeking an Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know.
1: So one thing I looked up the definition of regret because I'm like, maybe it just throughout four seasons of this podcast, I've learned that um, a lot of words don't mean what I think they mean. Surprising. Uh so a few of the de- one of the definitions is to be very sorry for. Okay, so that's kind of like where my mind goes when I think about regretting the past. But um a couple other definitions are to mourn the loss or death of and to miss very much. There you go. So
2: But it is. When yeah. I
1: put it in in kind of in my brain, when I can put it in those terms, I'm like, oh okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the latter I miss very much would certainly apply to me. And, uh, you know, something's, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is a, an amazing place. And, you know, I, there, I never wanted kids. (laughs) I got married when I was 45. I'm 50 now. I have two kids under five, you know, and I remember I was swimming with my son a couple of years ago and, uh. You know, we were just playing in the pool and I started squirting them in this way that my dad used to squirt me. And I just started having this flood of like memories of my dad, you know, because I was playing with my son in the same way he played with me. And it's like, you know, AA frees you up to have those kinds of realizations. Like I couldn't, I couldn't see that if I was bound up in, in, in sort of self selfishness and self-centeredness and, you know, thinking about myself, you're not able to have that and the only way to kind of be in that space is, is to be as free as possible. And the only way to do that is through eight, nine. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you know about I, regret, I Jay that, Wayne?
0: Well, I think that you made something, an interesting comment earlier about step nine being overlooked a lot. And I think that one of the things that I've seen that's kind of happened over the I'd say the last 10 or 15 years is that a lot of, a lot of people in AA are, are kind of let off the hook when they get to step eight and nine by either their sponsor or by another AA member. And they're, they're, they're told that they don't have to make certain amends because of how it's going to impact them. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I mean I've never, I was never given that luxury or that pass, I guess. So anyway, um, I think that you can't be completely free unless you make a pretty strong, willing effort to to amend all the things that you've done in the past. The, I, this one's always kind of tricked me up a little bit because I think now I know why, because I got caught up on the word regret and I didn't have a full def, a full kind of understanding of the word of it. But because there is stuff in the past that I wish I'd made some different decisions on. Uh, there's a few things I did to some people that I, I you know, looking back on it, I wish I I did did not do that, and I'm I know that they wish that I had, did not do that. Um, so I always this one always kind of bothered me, but I, I guess where I'm where I'm at with it now is that, you know, I, I still wish I'd made some different decisions, but I don't I don't dwell on the past, I don't live in the past. Uh, I have done my most. You know the, the the best I can to correct those things, and I do know now that that those experiences are experiences that I use to help other people. And when other people are lost or in in fear, and they're you know completely self centered or self conscious of things that they've done, that by us disclosing those things to those people, it helps them to become free of it, and helps them to you know get to a place where they're they're willing to talk about it or even correct it and i and i think that you know that becomes our one of our greatest assets is is our past and the our willingness and ability to share that with other people um so i mean i don't i mean i guess i don't regret the past um or wish certainly glad shut the door on it i'm yeah i'm well, i'm and certainly I, glad it's over with
1: <laughs> i think too that um for me sometimes it comes back to this where um people mm, kind of think not that i regret going to prison but that that was the bad part and that was not the bad part like that was the immediate um amends process you know i didn't drag out my court date if you did like that's your business but i didn't i said hey listen i want to be sentenced i want to get this going like i want to already start amending this in any way that i can and through direction through AA members um you know it's it's the principle of what i did not the consequences of it that i think kind of trips me up with this too so chris, chris you bring up uh not to shut the door on it so if i prefer to shut the door on certain things can i still stay sober and alcoholics anonymous
2: i don't know i mean i think that it isn't my experience You know, it isn't my experience to have any area of my life where the door is shut in regards to helping a newcomer in terms of my experience. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I don't know of any examples. And maybe that's because they've shut the door and they're not talking about it, you know, but uh, I don't know that you would want to. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. It's like maybe maybe you think that you're you're protecting yourself from that but you're not you know what I mean it's like everything's got to get some sunlight on it you know what I mean and uh, and everything that's shared by way of helping another alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous is, is just makes it gold you know I mean I, I you know that might be some meeting shrapnel there but I mean really shit gets turned to gold in Alcoholics Anonymous and it and it can, it, and it has enriched my life in ways I can't even imagine. I mean, I, 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 have, I have sponsored so many men that have fathers still, and I've been able to inspire them and encourage them and urge them to make it right with their fathers and not repeat something that I had done. You know what I mean? And to watch that, those relationships mend and those bonds just grow over time. what What an amazing thing. To see right now, if I Mm -hmm. shut the door on that and I wasn't willing to share, I wouldn't have had that experience. And those are the things I see that that basically show me that Alcoholics Anonymous works, that there's something going on here that can't happen anywhere else in the world, that if there's a this this is a special place, you know, and I believe that through and through, you know, and I'm not a religious person at all. I don't go to church. I don't believe in God, particularly. I know that's.
1: Do you have a higher power?
2: I have a higher power, 100%. Is it the doorknob? It's not the doorknob. There you go. (laughs) Nice. You're in good shape then. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a doorknob. You know, it's all that I see that happens in Alcoholics Anonymous Mm -hmm. that I cannot, just like the book says, it lies outside my synthetic knowledge. You know, I can't explain it and I don't have to. So I just know it works.
1: What do you think, Wayne? I mean... If you shut the door, the only thing I can think of in the time I've been sober is women that I've sponsored that have drank again. And then they come back and they say, you know, I really didn't get completely honest about X, Y, and Z about this thing, about several things. I was afraid I didn't want to have to go to jail. I didn't want to tell my parents. I didn't want to have to pay the money back, whatever it may have been. Um, And it's not saying that I went through the steps, did everything perfectly and was deemed white as snow when things come up that maybe, you know, I just went back home for the first time in years. I saw someone I hadn't seen in years. I'm like, wow, I know that I, (laughs) that person amends, you know, um, it's not that I didn't do it honestly or open-minded or that I wasn't willing enough. It's that it just is in my face, you know, so I can immediately address that when it arises. Um, but what's your experience with this?
0: If you're a real alcoholic, and you shut the door and stuff and there's stuff that's that is unresolved or you're unwilling to, to face it or rectify it, you will probably drink again. And I think that what well, I, I know that the literature supports that. So there's, there's several places in literature where it says, you know, you got to thoroughly follow the path. All right. It's some stuff we balk, we thought we could find an easier, softer way. You got to let go. Absolutely to be completely honest. And one of my favorites is if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. So yeah. I believe, and I've sponsored, I don't know, a couple of people in Anonymous. The, um, um,
1: couple my, thousand. Exp-
0: my experience with them is that you know, <laughs> folks that don't, that, that don't go all the way, and in dealing with their past and resolving things or making amends, they always end up drinking. Or I have seen other, I have seen other folks that, that may stay sober long-term and they end up committing suicide because they're unwilling to get honest with people. And they think because they've been sober for 15 or 20 or 25 years, then, you know, they can't talk to anybody and they, they commit suicide, but inevitably anybody, almost anybody that's that, if you think about anybody that's relapsed, that's come back almost 100% of the time, it's because of some form of dishonesty, mostly around money or sex, just a, or some form of that
1: or both and, together or or both.
0: Yeah. I love both. Um, they often go together. They very much go together. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would think that, you know, if you're going to try to, to live the program as a way of life, you, you can't shut the door or anything.
2: I think it says in the ninth step, I think it says that one of the goals is to establish the best possible relationship with, with, you know, God and our fellows. Right. So, I mean, I think that how can you, if that's the goal, right. And defective relationships are the cause of all my woes. If that's the goal, how, how can that happen if you're holding back? You know, if there's yeah. not something you're willing to sort of get, get sorted, you know what I mean? And, and, and get cleaned up. I mean, I just, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is not about white knuckling it and not drinking and until your butt falls off, whatever they say. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's about living my life in such a way that I feel like it's not necessary to take a drink anymore and I don't even yeah. think about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's tremendous freedom and not having any unresolved issues or business in your life. And there's tremendous freedom in not having any, and not having any secrets and being willing to share anything that's happened to you with somebody. If, if,
2: you know, if it's going to help them. I had a, I had a situation and um, you know, it's a classic one, ex-girlfriend, right. Um, and I, you know, I talked to my sponsor about this is somebody I was engaged to serious relationship. Wasn't just, any person, you know what I mean? And he said, well, look, you, you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the right time will come, you know what I mean? And uh you know, six, seven years in alcoholics and I'm, her little sister gets sober in AA. She says, Hey, you know, so-and-so would love to hear from you. Why don't you reach out to her? And, uh and I talked to my sponsor about it and he was like, go do it, man. You know what I mean? Go, go meet up with her, get it, get it cleaned up. And that meant, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that, you know, my sponsor was was wise enough to say, you know what, go do it. You know what I mean? It's okay. You know? And uh there's a lot of tact there that needs to be employed. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah. do this on your own. You you need you need someone who's been down this road that has a yep. little sage advice for you that can see the angles that you can't see. And, um, but that immense changed the way all my relationships moving forward with women from that moment on done. I had a different relationship moving forward and where can you get that? Yeah. You know,
0: it's funny how, when you, when you resolve something like that, that you really didn't even think about it, it frees you up with other stuff. So that stuff
2: indirectly impacts you and you don't even realize it. Yeah. yeah I mean the ripples the way that I treat people in my life those ripples really extend out you know far beyond even yeah. what I can really even think about you know what i mean yeah. and and I don't want to take i'm not taking credit for everybody's misfortune that I've come in contact with i'm I'm not that powerful but I do admit that you know I have affected people's lives in in a less than subpar way you know what i mean yeah. and and that that's okay take to take that on and 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 say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, I want to treat people like that.
0: Yeah. Yep. Shank, um, you want to move on to Battle of the Books?
1: Let's move on to Battle of the Bug. All right.
2: We'll right, along here, aren't we? All Buck- right, Buckle guys.
1: Up, we have Step Three, Round Three battle of the books this is where is we Is this take, getting
2: graded is it graded
1: yeah, for you you will get a pass fail grade so there you go um we'll, we'll report it to your sponsor
0: yep uh, we may have your, to bring you back maybe your ahead. service,
1: yeah, your service sponsor. yeah your service
0: sponsor uh-huh
2: mm-hmm. good luck finding that guy
1: so, <laughs> we, we have, may have
0: we may have to bring you back on to clean up a comment you made about steps eight and nine out of the 12 by 12 but we'll that's oh, another subject.
1: Man. We'll address that at a later date. So we have it. step three, round three. This is a battle of the books, and we are battling the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous versus the 12 by 12. So we have a reading um, from the best that we could find of each of these from each book. And I'm going to read each of them. You all will decide if we should. Keeper scrap. Which one's which one we're gonna keep, which one we're gonna scrap? Okay. This is, a, this is a complete keep or scrap, okay? Like we will not address it again. Here we go. All right. Let's we have from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 63. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our Maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Okay. Now we have the 12 by 12, and this is from pages 40 to 41. Once we have come into agreement with these ideas, it is really easy to begin the practice of step three. In all times of emotional disturbance or indecision, we can pause, ask for quiet, change, nope. We can pause, ask for quiet, and in the stillness simply say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. (laughs) Oh. Just, so we have a just, prayer from each oh. yep <laughs> um, do we have any discussion do y'all have any questions that I could potentially google for you
2: Chris that it just I just I just try to imagine myself when I was new trying to sit in quiet you know I look I think meditation is great it's just not for me you know what I mean I, I, it's, I can't the only stillness of mind that I'm going to get is when I'm talking to a newcomer. That's it, you know. And I think the third step prayer out of the twelve out of the uh, big book is 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 all about that, right? It's about you know, let me show you this thing. I you know, victory over my difficulties, so that you can bear witness, right? Not not so that I can have some fancy glamorous life, right? So that I can be helpful to someone else. You know, what I mean, I think that. The, the spirit of that is is where I live on oh, most days. I, you know, it just the what do you call it? The twelve by twelve just seemed twelve by twelve. It it's, you know it seemed like it's just looking inward. And anytime I look inward, I just start thinking about myself. You know what I mean? And and I think there are people that probably are more suited to meditate and do it effectively. I'm just not one of them. So okay,
1: what do you think, Jay Wayne?
0: Well, the, the the reading out of the 12 by 12 is, um, it's interesting. To me, it's got more step three, I mean, step 11 instructions than it does step three. I mean, if it talks about sitting quiet, pausing, and then saying a prayer, that's straight out of the step 11 instructions in the big book. And... I don't know why he threw the serenity prayer in there, but I I mean, I guess, I guess that's okay. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. Once we have come into agreement with these ideas, well, if you read what he's talking about in the book, in the 12 by 12, it's just confusing stuff, just kind of nonsense and jargon. Um,
1: Just for reference. uh, the, yep. the third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him
0: yeah yeah so so what
1: I guess my question is what are we um what ideas are we agreeing with that we're turning our will over
2: any life any <laughs> life, lived life on self will can hardly be a success I mean that's an idea yeah that's that but is I, an idea. The instructions—it's you know, a little wonky there. I mean, it's hard to read between the lines. Yeah. So. What I really so like, like in
1: the, the big, What I really like in the big book is that it says many of us said to our Maker as we understood him. Like, you don't even have to say this prayer. That's right. We were talking about that at the prison meeting I attend this morning. You know, someone was like, well, I don't, I don't, bondage makes me think of something else I did while I was drinking. And I said, well, you know what? Just replace it however you would like, you know, just say whatever you need to say to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's clear, it's clear instruction, right? You say the prayer and then you move on with the next step,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? and you don't you don't hang out at step 3 you say the prayer step 3 is basically a prayer you say the prayer and then you move on with the rest of the steps and that's ex- exactly what it tells you to do the the 12 by 12 thing is more again to me it's more s- step 11 or step 10 and
2: 11 there's too much um, introspection there for anybody at step 3 you know what i mean yeah, they're not equipped exactly. for that that's so, exactly right. some of us are still not equipped for that
1: I I was about to say, like yesterday, I was having some emotional disturbance and indecision with AA in particular.
0: Right. So what did you do? Did you go to step three? I did not. No. Right.
1: I did not. (laughs) Had I known I could just uh, pause, ask for quiet. And just
0: say the serenity prayer.
1: Say the serenity prayer.
0: It's all good. Turn it
1: all back. I guess I took it back. Is that what this is saying? I took my will back.
0: Yeah, you turned it over and then you took it back.
2: Or just call a newcomer. See how
0: they're doing. How about that? Amazing. Amazing. That might work. Might. Who knows? Yeah, it probably will. The 12 by 12 reading is, I don't know, it's garbage. I mean, Serenity Prayer has some utility with stuff, but that's not step three.
2: It's not step three.
0: It's almost as bad as a step one and step two reading out of 12 by 12. I mean, I step Bill one gi- reading is the worst.
2: Bill gives, gives humanity too much credit, let's be honest. I mean, most of us aren't really there yet. You know what I mean? No.
1: <laughs> All right, so, Chris, would you like to keep the reading from the big book or keep the reading from the 12 by 12?
2: I, I gotta go big book. I mean, I, I'm not even sure I've ever read that out of the twelve of So, love it. I just, I just took a new guy through the big book the other way, Jerry's way, and we read that. So, I'm gonna stick with it.
1: One of All Jerry's right. kids. Well, uh, what do you pro- think, Jay Wayne? <laughs>
0: hey, I think I'm sticking with uh, the reading from the book Alcoholics Anonymous, page 63, Third All Step right. Prayer.
1: Well, it Shake. sounds like um, we have all come into agreement <laughs> that we're going to keep the reading from the big book. Um, Let's and for just those put of you out way. there, no that one's are...
2: getting drunk if they never read that passage. You know no. what I mean?
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
2: That's they a good to, way to put it. they but... were to accident it, I don't think anyone's going to get drunk over that. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe somebody out there in GSO, I don't know, had a heart attack. The, yeah, they might start any trouble.
0: No, no, that's good. <laughs> so, so shank the, the big book wins round three,
1: the big book wins round three. <laughs> and don't forget, we're going to have, um, Chris's talk on the end of this episode. And, um, if everyone would listen and figure out, um, with Chris, you know, maybe I'm not sure that he says this in this talk, but I'm pretty sure that he may, in my opinion, have a little more time than he lets on. <laughs> hey, if Mike. it were up to me. Okay.
2: That's right. Okay. A lot of talks. can't remember everyone. So hopefully it's a good one.
0: It's a good talk. So, uh, Chris, we appreciate you coming on.
2: Appreciate
0: it. And we Thanks appreciate your you. experience. Yeah. And, uh, remember work those first nine steps so you can be free and keep listening to hear the rest of Chris's
2: story I'm Chris I'm an alcoholic my sobriety day is August 16 2002 I have a home group uh, this is it I have a sponsor it's Isaac he's here somewhere judging me watching judging waiting so um, and I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be sober and it's an honor Anytime I'm asked to speak at my home group, you know, this place has saved my life. Over and over and over again. The people in it, uh, the things that we do, um, just have saved my life. And, uh, you know, there's so many people here tonight that have had an impact on my sobriety. And there's no way that I I would have made it without these people in my life. And, And so if you're new tonight, I hope you... You know, and congratulations to everybody who picked up chips. And you know, I hope you stay here and um, and figure out, you know, why anyway, you know, why someone like me would want to stay sober for eleven years. You know, why why I would continue to do the kind of things that I do on a daily basis to ensure my sobriety. And uh, and you know, it the the, the evidence is clear because it gives you know, the, being involved in a home group and. And Alcoholics Anonymous has changed my life, and everything good and decent in it is a result of that that work and that effort here in Alcoholics Anonymous. So, um, congratulations, Jason. Thanks, David. And uh, I don't have funny stories about Alex, but I do have a funny story about David. So, (laughs) I will will tell it, you know. So, I was down in Baton Rouge. I had to speak at this YPA, Cirque Pa event thing, and... um, and I get down there, Jerry went with me, and we, we roll into this hotel and nice place, nice hotel. I mean, for like a circuit pop I mean it was nice, you know. And um and we're sort of walking in the lobby and there's this pool out there, and there's all these, you know, it's a young people's event, and all these people out there at the pool hanging out, and I see Bruce, and I'm like, dude, that's Bruce. You know, what's Bruce doing here? And, you know, he's like all like cut up because he's buff, you know what I mean? He's like real smooth talking to all the ladies and everything. And and then out of the corner of my eye I see this like white blur. Like he's <laughs> got kind of like he's like double fisting sugar-free Red Bull, just like you know what I mean? Like straight running for the pool, you know what I mean? And I was like, that's David. <laughs> I think later on that night we, I saw them both in bathrobes. I don't know what that was all about. Just like walking around in bathrobes. So, but Alex, congratulations. I love you. And uh, I love all the guys that, that, you know, allow me to help them. And uh, it truly is, um, I you know, I think it's the ultimate payoff, really, in Alcoholics Anonymous is that, you know, y- you you get here through a series of circumstances, you know, People say that your first year is a gift, and I think the only reason they say that is because year two is terrible. It's terrible, you know. You are really sober, you know, and you cannot get away with anything, you know. I mean, you can, but you're going to pay a price for it, you know. And uh, so I'm, 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 you know, I'm grateful that uh, you know it took you eight years to get one year, and. uh, I mean, I guess that's funny, you know, but not really, it, it's not, and uh, you're, you're, you should be grateful that your family is in your life and they're st- w- still willing to support you, you know, and um, you know, Alex, you know, came into AA and he was on fire right out of the gate, you know, and he dove right in, did a, did a fourth and fifth step with me, did an eighth step, started reestablishing relationships with his family. Started paying back some amends, squared things up with his father, you know, in terms of finances. Then he got into a relationship, and all progress in AA came to a screeching halt, like traffic on 495. <laughs> it's like ah, done. You know what I mean? And uh, and so over the last couple months, I mean, he struggled you know, and he's had drinking thoughts, and, you know, I've been there, I know what it's like, and, uh, but for me, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, it's not like a linear thing, you know, it's not like I came into AA, and then it was just like, you know, I was shooting for the stars like a rocket ship, you know what I mean, and uh, there's ups and downs, and life happens, and, you know, my commitment here has varied from times to times, and AA has always seemed to me to be a series of recommitments you know sometimes it's day by day sometimes it's week by week sometimes it's you know every four months or six months and um, you know because I, I you know it seems simple what's asked of you but what makes it difficult is my selfishness you know because I always want to do what I want to do you know and when you're you know you're busy in AA and you're working with newcomers they are' it's, they're going to require your time and attention, and that's the one thing i've never i've always had a hard time giving up, you know because I value it you know and um, but it's the only thing that works you know it's the only thing that works it's the only thing that i found to get me out of myself enough that I can sort of let life happen and I don't have to micromanage it, and I don't have to get involved in it and i have to most importantly I' have to screw it up you know and um, so I hope that you continue the progress, and, you know, year two is not going to be a cakewalk. And I hope you get busy, busy, busy in AA and do everything that's asked of you, you know. And that's what I try to do, you know, with my sponsor. I try to do everything that's asked of me to the best of my ability, you know. And um, so it's my job to tell you guys in a general way what I used to be like, what happened to me, and what I'm like today. And um, and I'm not going to go through my whole drunk log um, but I will tell you a couple stories about, you know, my relationship with alcohol. And um, and I don't think that, um, you know, this is all hindsight looking back. You know, I didn't have any of this, you know, I wasn't aware of any of this until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and I was taken through some of the steps and I understood what alcoholism was. And, uh, and I'm a guy who always, you know, I was always wound up, you know, always wound tight. And uh, I spent most of my... You know career in school in the principal's office that's the kind of guy i was you know more days more often than not i was in the principal's office the principal was in direct communication with you know my mom you know what i mean like they were communicating on a daily basis you know and that's the way it always was and i was always in trouble and um and it seemed to be exciting to me at times you know um and i had a hard time sitting still and I always wanted to be the center of attention, and uh, but I was always like, I always had this feeling like, like wherever I was, there was something better going on somewhere else, and I wanted to be involved in it, you know. And sometimes I didn't even know what that was, but I just never felt right, right where I was, you know. I was always looking for that something else. And in um, my first drink, um, you know, my first drunk, I would say, is the one I remember, and uh, I mean, it was. You know, it was monumental. I mean, it, it, and it's like you don't really know, at least for me, my experience is I didn't really know how wound up I was or how tight I was until I got some sort of relief that came from alcohol, you know. There was no way I would know that. You know, you just look around and you just judge how you're doing by the way other people look, you know. And I always felt like I was different, you know. And some people say they, they felt different like, they did not get the rule book to life, I felt like I was different in another way. Like, I had the rule book to life, and you guys did not. You know what I mean? You know? And I sort of sort of reveled in that sort of, you know, I, you know, I'm different in that way. You know what I mean? That I know what's up. You guys don't really know what's up. I know what's cool. You guys don't know what's cool. You know, skipping school, getting in trouble, that's cool. Studying, not cool. You know what I mean? And that's why I never graduated college. I barely graduated high school, actually. So I don't know who's cool. Probably not me. But, so, you know, that's, I mean, that's how I felt. And, uh, and drinking relieved all that instantly. I mean, instantly. And I think I was like three or four drinks in. Uh, I was in this club. I was playing pool. I was, in, you know, I was really high strung. There was money on the table. And I had to win. You know, that's, that's how I felt before, I, before I, the alcohol hit me. And, um, and once, it, once it went down, once I felt it, you know, th- things started to change right before my eyes, you know. I wasn't so concerned about where I was or what I was doing. I wasn't so concerned about winning, which is huge for a guy like me. You know, I actually could relax and just, you know, play pool and just chill, you know what I mean. And I actually felt like I saw other people look, you know. And that was an amazing experience for me. And, uh, and i got to tell you, I mean, I, you know, I think alcohol does that for a lot of people. You know, I think it can. And, uh, but what makes, my, what makes it different for me is the lengths that, in which I went to to get that feeling. You know, what I was willing to sacrifice as the years would go by to feel that way. And... Um, and that's what separates me, you know, is that it really doesn't matter. There, there, there's no amount of, of, of trouble that I can get in. There's no amount of love for my family. There's no, no amount of, um, you know, there's nothing that a therapist is going to say that's going to move me in a different direction one way or another. You know, having that feeling, that feeling that alcohol gave me every time was paramount and you know it was the most important thing to me you know and i didn't you know i drank for about 11 12 years and uh you know i had a lot of fun drinking you know i mean literally for my 20s um i just i just partied you know nonstop. i just partied all the time and um and the first couple of years, it was not there was no consequences really because it seemed like my drinking was a lot like everybody else's. And uh, and you know a, you know and I'll fast forward a little bit. And a typical weekend for me, sort of halfway through my drinking, was you know I, I would get off work, I would you know go to a Seven Eleven, I'd get a big gulp, and I'd fill it up with ice and a little bit of soda. I'd go right to the liquor store in Kensington. that's still there, you know, right next to Donut King. You know what I mean? And I would go in there and buy a couple of bottles. You know. And I wouldn't wait till I got home or anything like that. I would just open that thing up and, and just fill up that super big gulp cup right there in the car. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't want to wait, you know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, if, you, if drinking did for you the, what it did for me, sometimes I would feel better just knowing I had it, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't necessarily have to drink it. I just felt better knowing that it was about, you know, like we were about ready to get this thing started, you know what I mean? And, um and I felt better immediately, and this, you know, and I would fill that thing up, and, you know, and that's the drink that would sort of get me home, get me into the shower, get me, you know, the primer drink, and uh, I'd get on the phone with my buddies, I would find out what we're doing that night, you know, what we're doing the weekend, and, you know, at this point, halfway through my drinking already, you know, I don't, I don't make a plan for the night, I make a plan for a few days, you know what I mean, because I need to know where I'm going to be, you know what I mean, like, What's the situation? Because I need to know where I can pass out, you know? Where are we are going to do lines of cocaine later on in the night, you know what I mean? Where, you know, I need to know this stuff, you know? And, um, and it's around this time that I think I saw a difference in my drinking comparative to the people I was hanging out with, at least some of them, you know? And we would go out, we'd go downtown, we'd usually start off in Bethesda, drinking at a bar where we knew the bartender so we could drink for free or cheap or in trade, you know? And... Um, and then we would go downtown where the drinks were, you know, I mean, back then they were like $7 for like like a one-shot drink. I mean, it was ridiculous, you know what I mean? There's probably twice as much now. But, um, and, uh, you know, we would go to these clubs and we would hang out and, um, you know, there's all that that goes with going to clubs, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't know how many people, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people drink in bars or clubs. And there's a point in the night where, you stop drinking, and it's called last call, you know what I mean, and and this is, this is for like normal drinkers, you know what I mean, it's like, even normal drinkers, the people I was hanging out with, they would, last call, boom, you know what I mean, last call, they would go to the bar, they would get, maybe they were double fisting, right, but when we walked out of the club, they went home, you know what I mean, they were like, oh man, I got to go, you know, I got to, you know, Saturday, I got to go to Bed Bath & Beyond with the wife or whatever, you know what I mean? You know, I don't know, like go mow the lawn or walk the dog, whatever normal people do. And um, and that's not what I was doing, you know. I wasn't interested in that. And, uh, and for me, you know, there was always somewhere else to go, and the party just kept going. And, uh, and, th- and this is the way my drinking was, you know. And um, towards the end, it was every day like this. And, you know, I became unemployable. Uh, you know, I couldn't hold down a job, and, you know, I, the relationships in my life seemed like they were very superficial, uh, I lived most of my life between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., I slept most days, you know, I sold drugs to make money, and, you know, because I, you know, I, uh, you know, unemployment ran out, and I certainly wasn't going to, like, get a job or anything like that, you know, so, I mean, these, this is where, what my life was reduced to, and, um, I got in a lot of trouble, you know, and uh, actually I was just in court a couple times last week for Matt over there, you know what I mean, and uh, and I was reminded, dude, you know, those benches in courtrooms are terrible, you know, you just like sit there, you, you, even though I knew, I mean, I'm not on trial, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not going to jail, you know what I'm saying, I just felt like I could, though, at any moment, that's how, <laughs> that's how uncomfortable those courtroom benches are, and, um, you know, and Matt's not a good criminal, man. You should not sell drugs, man, at all. He got, he'll tell you the story, but I'll tell some of it because, I don't know, why not? <laughs> he got caught, like, like he was, like, in his car and he had all these drugs and he just like, he just, like, froze, you know what I mean? There was no high-speed chase. He didn't get out and run. The cops just came up to the window and they were like, hey, man, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like the easiest bust, you know what I mean, ever. You know, like, ah, oh, this guy's just waiting for us. They could have been like, don't go anywhere. We're going to get some donuts. We'll be right back. He'd be like, okay. <laughs> so bad, dude. Please stay sober. Yeah anyway so you know I mean it, you know that's how I was living and I got in trouble I got federally indicted and you know it was a little different situation than Matt I mean you know they definitely came to me and uh but uh you know they knocked on my front door but they did not wait for me to answer and uh and it was you know jump out squad you know raided my house and uh it was a nightmare dude you know it was a nightmare and uh you know, I remember when I bonded out and, uh, you know, I, bond, I bonded out and my friend met me and he was like, what do you want to do, man? And I was like, you know, we got to go get a drink, you know what I mean? And and I knew, like, this is a bad idea, you know? It's probably not a good idea. And, you know, the second step talks about, you know, this insanity. and And that's the thing that I have, you know, it's like... It doesn't matter how bad it is or how bad it was or how bad it's going to be, you know. I can convince myself anytime, anywhere that a drink is a good idea. And and that's true today, you know. Just because, you know, based on these actions I've taken in Alcoholics Anonymous for a period of time have sort of restored me to sanity in that regard, it doesn't mean that it can't come back, you know. And it's easy. It's easy in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's so easy because... All you got to do is nothing. Don't go to meetings. Don't pick someone up. Don't answer the phone, you know. Don't say yes to that service commitment. It's so easy and people just back out of alcoholics anonymous, you know. Lots of 1-month chips tonight. Lots of 2-month chips. Lots of 3-month chips. Lots of 6-month chips. A couple 9-month chips, maybe one or two 1-years, and that's it. You know? Because it's easy, it's easy, and I and I'm am a fan of doing nothing. I've been trying to monetize it, you know what I mean? I've, I've tried to build build my whole life around making money doing nothing, and I'm t- let me tell you something. It's not working. It's not working at all, you know. So I understand doing nothing, but in, in regards to alcoholics anonymous, it's deadly, you know, and um and so that is you know that's what happened to me, and, and you know to make a long story short, I eventually ended up getting locked up for a period of time and, uh, and I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, you know I I didn't understand what an alcoholic was you know I had these all these preconceived notions of what it meant to be an alcoholic or you know what that looked like and, but the truth is I had no idea I mean I you know I just thought AA was like lame you know what I mean like you know when we were drinking and people would get you know get in trouble you know whatever they would get arrested but it was never as bad as someone saying they went to AA, you know what I mean? Because you'd just be like, whoa, AA. You just felt so bad for them. And, uh, you know, and they are like, dude, do you want a drink, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I thought, I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. And I was court-ordered to AA, and I went to some meetings. And, um, and what I saw didn't seem, you know, what I saw in the meetings, it didn't seem like those people had what I had. You know, because what I saw was people not drinking, and they were generally happy, you know sometimes they were way too happy, you know, like totally excited like hey man what 's going on what 's your name? you got a number you know and it's like it you know drove me insane and um, because when i wasn 't drinking i wasn 't happy you know, and so i didn't you know I felt like whatever was wrong with them was not wrong with me and uh, and I tried to give it another go you know and uh and it ended me up in getting locked up, like I said, for, for a period of time. And here, here I am, and I've got no other options, you know. And, and for me, at least for me, I had to play out every option, you know. And if you're here tonight, you're new, and you've got some ideas, you know. Like, you're like, hmm, maybe AA, you know, these people kind of nice, you know, I got a ride in the meeting, they give me cigarettes. But you're thinking in the back of your head, like, maybe I can control and enjoy my drinking. It's my experience that you're probably going to test those waters, you know. I did. I had to play out every single option until I was absolutely sure that on my own willpower, just like it says in the third step, I cannot control my drinking. I cannot, not only cannot control my drinking, but I have no control really over my life. I'm totally unmanageable. And, uh, and so, you know, people brought in meetings and, uh, you know, there was a guy there that reached out to me and, you know, and he said, he said, I hope you're used to this place because you'll probably be spending more time here, you know. And I thought about that for a while. And, and, and while I was there, I was offended that he would talk to me that way. But when I, when I went back to my cell that night and slept on it, you know, I thought about what he said. And, uh, and the truth is, is when I got, when I, when I was first locked up, and uh, I was there for about six months and I couldn't go to sleep because, you know, the, they leave the lights on, you, you know, the doors are slamming, the sound of keys are jingling, you know, I mean, it's terrible, you know, it's absolutely terrible, you know, and and at that moment when that guy said that to me and I went back to, to, to my cell and I went right to bed, you know, I knew what he was saying was true because I had already gotten used to the place. You know, I had already I had already adapted to the kind of environment that I was living in, and, you know, people, you call yourselves, you know, home, let's go home, go to bed, you know what I mean, and this kind of attitude, you know, this, this, this attitude towards, you know, how we can just, our minds just change, you know, it's like, this is no big deal, you know, here I am incarcerated, my family that loves me, you know, they're coming to visit me, talking to me through a, you know, glass fucking, you know, wall, I mean, that's not right, you know, but I had already become used to it. And so it scared me. It scared me enough that I was willing to, you know, listen to this guy and, and read some of the book. And, uh, and when I got out of there, I was terrified, you know, I didn't know what, what I was going to do. And, um, I don't count the time I was incarcerated, you know, because the, the day I got out, you know, I, I, I was in this halfway house, this pre-release center, and I met my sponsor there. And, um, And I would go out and go out to meetings, and, you know, I was taking public transportation, and I just felt so crazy, you know. It was hard for me to get on trains that were really crowded, so I would walk to the other end and get on a train. You know, I'd walk all the way to the end of the uh, metro stop and get on a train that wasn't crowded because I couldn't stand to be around people, you know. The, the, the immediately, immediately getting out. The worldly pressure started coming down on me. You know, these bill collectors. I owe oh, all this money. You know, here's my family. I got to see them now. I got to look them in the eye now, and they're gonna know. You know what I mean? I just couldn't take it. You know, and when you're incarcerated, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You know, they just feed you three times a day like animals. You know what I mean? And you just play spades all day. You know what I mean? I mean it's not a whole lot of pressure. You know, I mean, do what do we want? Do we want channel five or channel twenty. I mean, it's like not. You know what I mean? Now a whole lot of decisions to be made. And, um, and so I was losing my mind, you know. I was losing my mind. And, and I needed that sponsor. Because the truth is, is that I had no idea, even though I was 29 years old, you know. I had done some things, you know, while I was drinking. You know, I had owned a business. You know, I had done some things with my life. You know, even though all that had taken place, I was 29 years old. And the truth was, I had no idea how to live life. I mean, I had no idea, you know, no idea. And, you know, I had always, you know, I'm a guy that has always run my life based on my own selfish agenda, you know. I have this agenda, me first, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get what I need, you know. And in that selfish pursuit, that agenda, I tear down my life and I tear down everyone's life around me. And and in AA, you know, and drinking... Makes that possible. It isn't the cause of it, but it helps it, you know. Because I'm selfish without drinking, you know. And coming in in my first couple months sober, having not done any steps, I'm essentially the same person, you know. That's what I realized, you know. And my alcoholism is not something, you know, yeah, there was these funny stories and I did all this stuff while I was drinking. But that's not really what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me is how I feel while I'm not drinking I'm restless I'm irritable I'm discontented you know I can't seem to make my way in this world that's full of people I can't get along with people I can't have real relationships with anybody you know I always got to keep people at a distance because it's safer you know and you know first couple months you know I mean it's just terrible you know and I was looking at people around me, you know, people I'd grown up with, and they seemed like they had their, you know, stuff together. And I come into AA, and there's people like half my age, you know, with their stuff together, you know what I mean? It was, I mean, I'm getting in the backseat of cars with like 16-year-olds driving me around, you know what I mean? It's terrible. It's terrible, you know? They're like, man, you got to get in the back seat. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what did this guy just say to me? You know? But I got in the back seat. You know what I mean? Because I got two months. You know what I mean? Whatever. I mean, it was awful. I'm not going to lie. It was awful. um, But I dove in, man, and I got involved in this, you know. Midtown became my home group because that's what was my sponsor's home group. I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, there's a lot of things to worry about when you're new, and home group's not one of them. You know what I mean? I just picked it. I was like, all right, man, that sounds good. You know what I mean? Let's get on with living. You know? I gotta make some money, <laughs> you know what I mean? I need some new tennis shoes and turntables because I gotta look cool. And uh, I bought these turntables one time when I was new, and I didn't have a car or nothing, no insurance, no license. I didn't even have a license, and but I had turntables. And, uh, <laughs> and I walked in like my sponsor was eating with all these people of the time, like the grand, my grand sponsor Sean Arno. They were all just like sitting around this table, eating, you know, laughing at me. And, um, and my sponsor turns to me looks at me and he's like, hey, why don't you get two more turntables, put a piece of plywood uh, in between them, and you can drive that to work. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. Can't catch a break from this guy. Never. I, you know, it's all love, right? It's all love. And, uh... You know, I mean, I muddled through my first year. I muddled through. I did a fourth and fifth step. And uh, I did an A-step pretty quick. And, uh, you know, I, I I couldn't comprehend really six and seven, but I could understand A-step, you know. And an A-step was like an outline of the way I needed to change, essentially, you know. I had a list of these, person, these people I've harmed. And six and seven, really, I became willing to make amends to them because in that time, you know, I knew where I needed to change. I knew that I needed to be a son to my mother. I knew I needed to be a brother to my sisters. I knew I needed to pay back these creditors you know and stop buying stuff you know that I think I need so I can feel good for a few minutes you know and I really dug in and i and I tried to make these amends. I remember I paid off this like credit card. It was like fifty bucks, man, fifty bucks that was the, that was the credit card that 's what I owed on it. you know what I mean it, like defaulted, it's like seven years ago, and um, I remember paying that 50 bucks, and you would have thought I won the lottery, I felt so good, you know what I mean, I was like, yes, $50, you know what I mean, normal people must think we're crazy, they must think we're crazy, and, um, but I, you know, it really motivated me to finish the, you know, paying off my amends, and uh, and in that period of time, I, you know, something something changed, you know, and I was hanging out with my other pigeon brothers, and I learned how to sponsor people by helping the guys that came behind me and my pigeon family. You know, I had no idea, you know. Isaac would be go out, like, go help this guy, go help this guy. And, you know, and, you know, Justin would come over to the house, I would make him pancakes in the morning, he'd be like crying about something, I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't know, you know, and I'd make him pancakes, and, you know, he loved pancakes, still loves pancakes, I built him a room in my new house, actually, you know, just for him. He's not grateful. His dog pisses all over my floors all the time. <laughs> unbearable. Totally unbearable. I can't kick him out, though, you know what I mean? I mean, I can't. So, I tell you what, I, I, I don't have time to go in all the amends, but, um, I mean, something really happened. Something, something happened to me, and, uh, you know felt a little freer after making those amends. I felt like I had some mental and emotional bandwidth for other people in my life, you know. I felt like I didn't want to hurt people anymore, you know. When you go and make amends and you look at people like directly into their eyes when you're talking to them, I mean, you understand the kind of havoc you cause people at a new level, you know. And I think it's, it's impossible to grow spiritually here without that process. Impossible. You know, and uh, and even though it was hard, I you know I, I made all those amends to the best of my ability, and I don't think it's a one and done deal. I think every day I'm still trying to make those amends. I'm still trying to be a son, I'm still trying to be a brother to my you know sisters, and I'm still trying to live by principle in all my affairs. And you know, but but you know, my life has gotten good. You know what I mean? And uh, it's my turn to give it back. It's my turn to give it back. And over the last couple of months, I've been. I, just hanging out with new guys, you know. That's all I do. I hang out with people under a year. I mean, some, under a month, you know what I mean? And that, to me, is where it is, you know. That's where, you know, the happy joy, joyousness and the freeness comes from, you know, is is seeing these guys, their troubles and watching them change in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. Because, I, you know, I, I just can't see it in myself, you know. And uh, so it's always an honor, you know, to be asked to do anything in Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you, Alex, for asking me. And uh, I hope you have many, many more. So thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.